You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have the lovely Tracy J. And Tracy, thank you for making the time to be with us today and to have this important conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And so Tracy, I always love to start my episode with asking my guests to define what the art of parenting is to them. As the mother of three adult humans, I would say the art of parenting is making it to the other side with everybody happy, healthy, and whole. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's funny because I have two two adult children myself, and I can so relate to that. It's like, woof, okay, <laughs> we're on the other side. We've done it. <laughs> we're off the hook, but we have good relationships with them as well. Wonderful. Thank you for that. So before we get started, I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Sure. So I like to say in business and in life, I am the quiet rebel. My work in the world is creating incremental and organic shifts to the status quo, using conversations as my primary instrument for change. And how I came to this work, I think the work actually came to me rather than me coming to it. I feel like I am at this point in my life doing work that I was born to do. And there has been some iteration of it um, in many stages of my life, beginning probably as early as high school. Wow. And when you say different iteration, like what, what was the first, like when you say, when you say high school, how has that evolved over time? So um, most of the work that I get to do now relates to race and culture to some degree. Okay. And in high school, some of my peers and myself created an organization called STEP, which was an acronym. It is an acronym, um, which stands for Students to End Prejudice. And that's been 30 plus years ago. So in some way, I've been doing some sort of work along the human spectrum for a long time. Wonderful, wonderful. And so I would like if we can bring it and I know this is, you know, you're you're more working in big organization businesses and so forth, but 
Can we talk about these important conversations to be had, but more on the family, with with families, with parents, so that we are raising the next generation of humans who are open to diversity, race, and culture, and so forth, and don't maybe go through the hardships that generation before us have had had to go through? Uh, sure. Um, one of the things that comes immediately to mind is that when I was growing up, there was a lot of do as I say and not as I do. And children these days are just not wired that way. <laughs> they are not only not doing what you say specifically and doing what you do specifically, but also they have the the whole world at their fingertips and can get to information very quickly and can make their own decisions in record time. And so it is more important, I think, than ever for us to model the values that we want our children to express so that when they are in the world um, with all this information at their ready, that they um, respond in a way that actually reflects who we want them to be. Right. Right. And to have those conversations about what they're seeing too, because you say that there's all this information at the ready, but I'm not always convinced that it is maybe the most beautifully curated information. So how do we, how do we, you know, have those conversations at home to make sure that, you know, like you say, we are, you know, making sure that our values are being respected or our family values are being respected. Yeah, I should probably say about my own parenting style. Okay. That I was not the parent who censored the information my children received. The rule was, if you think that you can handle it, you also need to be ready to discuss it. And so I know, because I know how I was as a young person, that there were lots of things that maybe my parents wouldn't have immediately approved of me listening to or watching or reading. And those were the things that were most intriguing to me, <laughs> the things that my parents were mostly opposed to. And so when I became a parent, I knew that I didn't want to say to my children, absolutely not, for the most part. I would much rather explain to them why I disagree or why this doesn't uphold our family values rather than try to prevent them from having access to it. Right. And when you when you say that, though, what what age? Because to me, that sounds like more maybe teenagehood where we would be, you know, kind of having critical thinking skills and being able to discuss that. Is that correct? Or, or was that younger? Or I would say much earlier than teenage. Okay. Especially now, because children have so much access, you know, up until they're maybe school age, parents have a lot of ability to restrict what comes and goes in their house. But when your children are not in your sight, which once they go to school is a considerable amount of time, they are getting information from a myriad of sources. And so welcoming their curiosity, welcoming their questions, ready to respond to whatever their inquiry is, is a really important thing. But the, on the other side of that is actually knowing for yourself what you believe. Right. Right. So it's hard to 
to do this parenting thing (laughs) when you haven't really fully formed your own ideas about the world yet and having to make these kinds of decisions in real time because a child is asking you about it is a difficult place to operate from. But if you've given yourself some time to consider what you think, feel, believe about the world around you, then it'll be easier to have those conversations with your children. Yes. And and to me, that also sounds like, you know, we, we often hear our children are our best teachers. And it's true that when they ask questions where maybe we haven't had time or we never thought of those <laughs> questions, like it, they, they're, they're helping us form our own ideas, right? To, to be able to answer all of that. Thank you for that. Can you describe maybe a little bit more? I'm just intrigued when you say, you know, that you are a quiet rebel and that you're kind of creating these conversations. Like what, what exactly like does your work look like? I'm, I'm just intrigued and fascinated. Sure. So, um, my work looks like, oh, I know I can use an analogy. I love analogies. So in the book cast, by uh, Isabel Wilkerson. Yes. She talks about how the country, America, this country that I live in, is like an old house that we inherited. And if you've ever lived in an old house or you've ever known anyone who lived in an old house, you know that uh, living in an old house has a lot of challenges. And I don't necessarily work with the outside parts, right? So there are people in the in the world, in the country, who are really focused on policy and structure and systems. The work that I try to do with people is about all the stuff that came inside the house. So you you move into an old house and it has boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. The work that that I help people do is to sort through their boxes, to sort of Marie Kondo your belief systems, right? So you're gonna take it out of the box, look at it, examine it for value, and then decide if you want to hold on to it or not. Wow. That, that is very powerful because it means that we have to re-examine everything, right? Our, our biases, our experiences, all of that. And is it possible to maybe take us through a, a little bit of an exercise like that for maybe parents that are listening? Or is that too, too complicated on the show? Um, I think... Here's here's a, an example that I try to use pretty often, and I think it translates relatively well, whether you're in person or not. Okay. So we talk a lot about difference, right? And I think in the world and, and specifically in the United States, we put a lot of emphasis on difference. So much so that we have a whole series of talks about belonging and what it means to be alike. And... And I I think that we're putting our energy maybe in the wrong place. So I'm going to ask you, Jean-Marie, to consider who your most favorite human is. Wow. Um, I mean, my mother comes to mind. Okay. You don't have to tell me who it is, but just think think to yourself, whoever is your most favorite human and the people who are listening, I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. Okay. Think about who just lights you up when you think about them. And once you have found that person that lights you up, think about the number of ways that you are different from that person. Okay. Did you come up with fewer than three ways that you are different from that person? Uh, no. Okay. More than three. Okay. 
So did those things that are that are different from your most favorite human, did those things make you like that person less? No. Did it make you love them less? No. Does it make you afraid of them? No. No. However, usually when we talk about difference, we think of it in terms of other and in terms of those people are different from me, so they are frightening. And there's some reason why I need to manage my relationship to those people because they aren't like me. But the truth of the matter is that every person we know is different from us in some way, even our most favorite human. And so if we spent more of our time around this idea of difference, trying to embrace the difference, to welcome the difference rather than manage the difference, then I think that we might be in a better place. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, to me, you know, what comes to mind when you asked all of that is like, of course, we're all different. And that's what makes the the world a better place. I mean, how boring would it be if we were all the same, right? <laughs> like that's that's what makes it so so intriguing, so interesting. And so so when when maybe you know those conversations come up at home as as we are parenting our children and maybe a child comes home and shares something about, you know, somebody being different and they didn't like them or like them or whatever, like how can we make them aware of the beauty of differences? Like that, of course, we're all different and we should, you know, like you say, embrace it. Yeah. So I really um, encourage people to lean into their curiosity and especially with children. Children ask us a lot of questions. That's how they're wired. And especially there's that age, and I don't know if you remember with your adult children, but there's a stage where it's why for everything. And even when you give the answer, it's why. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I asked the question why so much growing up that my mother bought a book called Tell Me Why. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so... So I recognize, I remember that stage in my own children, but I also recognize that natural curiosity that is just um, running amok inside of children. Um, and unfortunately, because sometimes adults don't have time or they don't have answers, we uh, stifle children's curiosity and we, we get them to stop asking why. Um, but I would invite the parents that are listening to lean into those questions and to ask questions also of your children. Um, when they are talking to you about someone who's at school or in their play group who is different from them, ask them about that difference. Ask them what they're feeling about that difference. Ask them what the difference seems to mean to them because we're making meaning all the time about what it means for somebody to be different from us. And if we aren't able to articulate what that meaning is, then sometimes that meaning um, turns into a story that isn't true. Right. And that's when we start having beliefs about things that aren't true. Yes. Definitely. And it's also when we start seeing an increase in bullying. Right. And for me, it's also like, I love that you say to lean into 
you know, the, 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 the questioning, because for one there, there's like, if we don't know the answer, we can just say, well, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, let, let's, let's learn together. Let's figure it out together. And there you'll probably get another why. But there's also what I hear more is because it is that way. Just like there, there's no depth into the answer. It's just, it's just, it's because it's that way. And, and, you know, don't ask those silly questions kind of. So I really love that you're, you know, encouraging parents to, to lean into that curiosity and to be curious with our children because they do have just fascinating minds and are so curious. And I think with time, we tend to lose that ourselves. And we stop learning, we stop growing when we stop asking questions. And so I love a good question. <laughs> what would be a good question for you? I like questions like, um, how do you feel about this thing? Okay. I also like questions like, what made you notice that? Or now that you know this thing, what will you do differently? That's an important one. And and I, I've noticed also, you know, on your website, kind of uh, looking at your bio, you talk about what can I do challenge? What What is that exactly? Uh, that was my response to the question, what can I do? <laughs> so when I uh, do workshops or presentations for groups, oftentimes someone will stop me afterward and say, okay, what, what, what can I do? Right? Like what, what, what do I do next? And so, um, so what the, what can I do challenge that's on my website is a bingo style game that um, offers five rows and five columns of tasks that you can do in a short amount of time or in a long amount of time that just help you move your um, the, the equity needle in your mind to, to help us really just be better humans to each other. And, and can, do you have a, an example uh, off the top of your head that, that would be on that bingo card? Uh, sure. So most of the um, land, uh, all of the land, that we live on in uh, um, in the North America belonged to other people. Yes. Before it belonged to us. Yes. And so there is a website which now I cannot call to mind, but it's on the it's on the bingo card um, <laughs> that will help you uh, find what indigenous community was the steward of the land where you currently live. Right. The, the land acknowledgement. I think I, I know which website you're talking about. Okay. Right. And so just having that one piece of information can help shift how you see the world where you live. Because we, if we stick to the idea that this land is my land, this land is your land, it, it actually belonged to some other people and they were forcibly removed from it. And so taking that one step to shift our understanding just about land, which really is a big thing because when we start talking about land, then we start talking about global warming and climate justice and all kinds of other things that are tied to the land we use. Um, but hopefully taking one step leads you to wanting to take another step. So anything you choose off the card 
hopefully it unlocks something in you that makes you want to go find something else. Beautiful. And and for me, it seems like that is something that, you know, I know you're you're using it more in, in larger organizations, but can this be used also just in, in a family and, and among among each other, like uh, as as a small group? Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually in, intended this for individuals, right? So the work I do is in organizations, but it is for people, right? The the folks at the table who have to do the work, the folks at the table who have to show up every day and be decent humans to the people they work with and the people they do work for, that that is where the work happens. It's not at the policy table. It is in, it's in the people. And so all the work that I do, whether it's in corporations or not, is it's for the people in the room. Beautiful for each individual who will move the needle. And I have to say, as you're as you're sharing that, I'm I had a flash of a memory of my mother who who has passed many years, but she was so fed up with policymakers uh, blaming women for population control mm. that she went out into the field and interviewed women on all continents of all walks of life to bring back to policymakers and go, this is this is what women really want, right? To, again, give a voice to those that we tend to, you know, just create policies without ever asking what they really want. Yes. Um, nothing about us without us. I don't know where I picked that slogan up, but I've heard it several times in social justice spaces and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's just, you know, w- when you talk about having imp- important conversation, I, mean, I, I, re- I remember that so well that it was about having conversations with, you know, with other humans about how these policies were affecting their day-to-day life. And th- that made a, a huge difference. So, so yeah. Wonderful. A- anything else that you would like to maybe share with our listeners? And, and again, you know, from that lens of more parenting and, and raising the next generation who are going to be able to have those authentic conversations and who are willing to, to challenge themselves and, and their own biases and so forth. Well, first, I just want to say that what a beautiful legacy that your mom left for you, that that she was not just a seer, she was a doer. And for for parents who are hoping that their children are decent humans on the other side of their parenting, I I recommend being a doer, doing the things, modeling the things that you want your children to to be and to do. I I received the most, one of the most beautiful tributes from one of my daughters on Mother's Day this year, who on her social media thanked me for um, being authentic so that she knows what that, what it means to be that. Beautiful. And it is so important, right? We can only model, we can only show by doing our children. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And you say you have three uh, grown adult daughters. May I ask, what is the age of the eldest? She is almost 30. She's 29. She'll be 30 in September. So if you were to go back 30 years ago when you were expecting her, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Um, I would definitely say that... um, the only person who can teach you how to parent these 
children is them. Yes. Yes. Follow, follow their lead, right? Yeah. I have, I have three distinctly different daughters and, and they, they are my best teachers still, and they are the best teachers about them still. Beautiful. Thank you for that. So, so important to, to remember that because there are such unique individuals and, and, you know, we can only let them be who they need to be. Beautiful. Any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today, Tracy? I would just, so I, I will leave you with how I normally begin my workshops. And that is uh, with the agreement to love first always. And love is an acronym. It stands for listen with your heart, own your experience, venture into unfamiliar territory, and expect the best. That's gorgeous. Thank you for that. And and thank you for, for sharing your work with us, sharing your work with the world, and uh, for being here today. Thank you for the invitation. It's been great. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.